For this instalment of downtime, I zoomed my way up the side of an Irish mountain to speak to Michael Keegan Dolan on July 21st, 2020. It was great fun hearing about Michael's resistance to many of the expectations and models of the entertainment industry and how his belief that what will be will be has led him to not only live the life he wants to live and make the work he wants to make in the way he wants to make it, but also to cope with this period of uncertainty with a philosophical shrug and a willingness to accept whatever life throws at him. We talked about his process, though I'm pretty sure he'd hate that word, his awareness that touring huge shows around the world may well be a thing of the past, and a tired old ash tree that sits outside his window, serving as a handy monument to resilience and endurance. Hello, Michael Keegan Dolan. Thank you very much for joining me. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me on here. It's a great pleasure. Um, I am presuming uh, that you are up some lovely hill in Ireland. Is, <laughs> is that correct? That is correct. I am up a lovely hill. Uh, yeah, I don't know what makes a hill into a mountain and a mountain into a hill, but I'm halfway up a mountain. Oh. Um, and I've been living here for three years, uh, uh, three years nearly to the day. Wow. I, I can see you're looking out of windows on both sides of you. Yeah. Uh, what can you see? Um, on that side, I can see a, a huge green hill that has been uh, reclaimed mostly by far, a farmer for his sheep. And on that side, I see an enormous uh, ash tree that has been trying to grow, I'd say, in that site for about 150 years <laughs> and not making a huge amount of progress. But, uh, it's still there. It's kind of a monument to uh, to something, to endurance or something. That's so it's sweet. <laughs> it keeps going. Is, is yeah, that, is, it keeps is going that a metaphor? regardless. <laughs> is that a metaphor for something for you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I kind of feel like that. Um, Interestingly, this year, like the weather's been quite strange this year in that we had two months of drought the whole of uh, April and May, oh. which was kind of helped with the lockdown scenario because drought also means sun. Yeah, but we had okay. two months of drought. So everything was a bit thrown here because traditionally it's not that dry in this mm. part of the world, but it got very dry. And then we had this wind, which a local, it's a local wind called a scaravine. It's kind of the wind that marks the end of kind of the bad weather and the beginning of the good weather. But it hit quite late and a lot of the leaves had come out and it just bleached all the leaves off a lot of the trees. So the trees around here this year are kind of half finished in that they won't ever fully express their glory this year because they got hit quite hard. And then it rained for the whole of June. Nice. <laughs> so and now, it's, now it's kind of fine again today, but it's been a strange year, not only in relation to pandemia are also with weather. Wow. It really does sound like a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it makes me feel funny. Um, okay. So has your experience of being there changed um, now that it's no longer a choice and that you have, you have, you're enforced to be there? Uh, uh, I suppose it has changed. Um, but it was all choice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's the answer, I suppose. Like, I, I want to be here, uh, you know, to move here actually was quite challenging and difficult. And I had to turn my life upside upside down uh, in order to move to this part of the world. So, um, no, I really wanted to be here and I want to be here and I'm here. Um, I suppose that more, I suppose more, it's more that there has been a change of perception of here. Like even today, just before I arrived to sit down at the computer to talk to you, like I was on a, I was just visited, my brother's here, I visited a beach and the beach Beaches are, are busy um, mm. and they're busy with Irish people, which would, would normally they would be busy with Dutch and French and German and American. Well, the Americans generally don't get off the buses. They kind of pull up in the car, take a few <laughs> snap and jump back on the bus to go to the next beach. Right. It's not their fault. It's just the way, you know, mm. uh, uh, marketeer tourism works mm. these days. But um, it's interesting to see other people, Irish people spending time in these places that kind of, they kind of maybe didn't spend as much time in over the last 10 to 15 years because mostly they went to the sun. Mm. Understandably, they went looking for good weather. So like, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of um, shifts going on, I think. Um, 
it's hard to keep up, actually. Things are moving very fast. Yeah, things. Just, There's a lot going on. Just when you feel like you understand it, it's uh, all change, isn't it? Yeah, I don't feel, I never felt like I Okay, you, you haven't reached that point. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, okay, so what should you have been doing during this time then? What has it stopped you from achieving? Well, oh, well, achieving nothing. I have no interest in achieving anything, <laughs> um, really, anymore. Uh well, we were. I was kind of lucky with the timing of it in terms of a a career trajectory. But I don't really have a career trajectory. That's not but I true. was. I was writing. I was. Go- See, yeah, I was going to be. I was. I was developing, and it was development time for me. Now it's time when the next thing was going to start to incubate. I have a very particular way of working, you know. So, like, it's. I don't go around making pieces of work um, around Europe or around the world partly because I'm not very good at it and partly because I don't get asked, but mostly because I don't want to. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so I, I kind of wait and then I write and then I raise the money and then we produce and then we tour. So we just finished. Well, actually my, my coming into lockdown story was quite intense because we were on tour and we just got out of New Zealand before New Zealand lockdown, wow. which was a great, I mean, I kind of wish I could, I, I, <laughs> if circumstances had been different, I might have stayed in New Zealand because that is a very beautiful and magnificent place. But uh, I had to go to London because I had a premiere as part of a triple triple bill at Sadler's Wells. It was a Nico Mooley evening and I was working, the composer Nico Mooley, and I was working with Sam Amadon, uh, who I'd worked with Nico on a piece of music called The Only Tune. And I'd been wor- I was working with the Britain Symphonia and Eight Dancers and Sam Amadon and Nico Mooley was there. And... Um, the premiere was supposed to be Thursday. It was that the 19th of March? And on the Saturday, and on the Sunday night, I lay in my bed in the Doubletree Hotel in, in, in Islington and decided I was going home. Okay. Um, because things were really getting bad in Italy. And I thought, I don't want to get the coronavirus mm. in the Doubletree Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get it. I want to get it at home. Yeah. So uh, I went home. And um, Sadler's uh, closed up shop a few days after that. And So it didn't happen. The show didn't happen. No, but it will happen. Yeah. Because uh, Alistair Spaulding is that kind of a fella, you know. He, uh, he'll make it happen. But, I'm, I mean, I was sad it didn't happen, but at the same time, it would have been, I felt it could have, would have been wrong to be part of something that required a thousand people to come into a space and share a theatrical event at that particular time based on what I knew. It just felt wrong. But also it just, it was becoming a really sad time. Like it felt not only because thousands of people were dying, but like, um, the way the English Prime Minister was 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 responding initially, I found really confrontational. Like I, I, I really got a sense that the markets were being protected first, most yeah. foremost, and first, yeah. and people were secondary to that. And I found that really confronting and and, and sad. Yeah. So yeah. I was happy. Like back here in Ireland, um, yeah, things have been handled a little bit differently. So I was a bit more comfortable with those with those politics. So I was happy to get home. It was a really um, difficult time, wasn't it? Because the unthinkable was happening. So you had to kind of get your head around that. And then, yes, you're turning to people like Boris Johnson for advice. Uh, yeah. And that's an unusual experience for me anyway. Um, so, yeah, you had to do quite a lot of thinking quite quickly. It didn't, it didn't one. And um, and you decided not to stay in your hotel in Islington. I think I maybe you made the right, <laughs> the right choice. Although, yeah, New Zealand might, might have been nice. Um, okay, well, you know, we look forward to that appearing one day, I guess, maybe the spring or the summer, is it, do you think? Yeah, well, I think I, I can't speak for Alistair or any programmer, but the ones I have spoken to, like they've cancelled their 2020 programmes, so they will probably deliver them in 2021. Yeah. And then anything that should have been happening in 2021 will happen in 2022. Yeah. So the whole thing has been kind of kicked down the road. Um, and that's really how it's affected me, maybe in a more challenging or problematic way, is that our model, yeah. how we existed as a company, has been kind of, the, the, the cycle has been broken entirely. And then a lot of the reserves we would have generated to give momentum to the next vision or project financially or, you mean or yeah 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 financial reserves are kind of being 
used up without, and we're not making any money because we can't tour. Um, So, I mean, I like to think that all stories have a happy ending. So I like to think that in a few years, all this will somehow have been a very um, useful and transformative experience. Uh, But right now I'm just trying to keep my sense of humor about the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay, um, so there are a couple of themes that I wanted to talk to you about um, that seem to me to be at the heart of your practice, but also that seem resonant now, I think. Uh, And those themes are uh, time and place. And you can tell me if I'm wrong (laughs) and they're not themes that are at the heart of your work. Um, So basically, from what I hear, uh, from what I read, from what I gather about you, you seem to have quite a clear relationship with time. Uh, By that, I mean that you're very careful about how you manage it. As you say, you don't do things you you don't want to do uh, and you don't fake uh, anything, I think. Um, And you believe... Say again? Well, you try not to. I mean... You know, the, the, the mind is, is so complex and it has so many layers. Even with the best of the intentions in the world, you can still talk. You know, you can still unconsciously talk absolute nonsense, um, even though you might think. You know, you look at our great leaders. I mean, they think they're great fellas. They think that they're being true, truthful, but they're just talking nonsense or lying. So I like, yeah, I'm definitely in the pursuit of uh, of speaking from a place that's connected to something very real. Mm. But, you know, it's not easy when you're hungry. E- even when you're hungry, that gets compromised. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, I'm interested in um, in that. Yeah, the, the pursuit is, is, is good enough, I think. <laughs> I think none of us manage it entirely, do we? But the, but the pursuit oh. of authenticity and, and yeah, not, not faking it and not, um, like you say, not following a model that, that doesn't suit you and that, that you don't believe in. And also the way that you allow time um, for ideas to appear in the space and, and you allow time for shows to, to find their their way to the light, I suppose. I'm going to quote you, if I may. Um, When something needs to happen, let it happen. If something needs to occur, it will occur. I approach my project like this. If a dance or theatre work needs to come into existence, it will, and nothing will stop it. It's good, huh? (laughs) Do you remember remember that? I do, I remember writing that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I I think that sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's good, huh? (laughs) I mean, but I mean, I mean, that's probably quite hard for someone who's starting out to hear. Um, you know, it's like, you know, when you're younger, you think, uh, you know, you're thinking differently about the world and you want to show the world what you know or what you feel. And that's good as well. And then maybe you force things to make things happen. And maybe at the time that's good. But for me now, forcing just won't work. Mm-hmm. Um it just causes you all sorts of problems. Um, so I like to believe now that, well, you know, you know, the way we spend most of our life worried about raising finances mm. so we can pay dancers and pay our electricity bills and so forth and so on. But like, I like to, you know, and, and it's so easy to be absorbed and consumed by this pursuit of finding the resources to make the work you can make. Um, but I, I, I like to believe, you know, that, you can easily become a victim in that scenario. You know, if you ever go to an arts conference where people are talking about the work, but very often the conversation quickly ends up being people talking about their difficulty in finding the resources or the opportunities or the supports to make the work. Yeah. And we, we can end up sounding like victims, like artists, you know, oh, I, want, I can't get enough money for this and that. And, and I, I don't want to be that. Like, um, so one way I've, I, I've coped with that feeling of kind of helplessness is to, is to kind of celebrate it and think Mm -hmm. it's actually a a wonderful thing because if, uh, if it's going to be, it's going to be, so don't worry about it. Like I I, I have, I know I have a pretty tricky temperament for working in the theater um, Mm -hmm. or more for working in the theater, in the, in the reception after Mm -hmm. the show. (laughs) <laughs> are at the parties, are at the award ceremonies. Like I don't do them particularly well. So I've done a really good job at wrecking my career probably <laughs> over the years of telling various people to go fuck off, you know, when I shouldn't have. Um, so in theory, I, I really shouldn't have any career 
You know, I, sh- I, I, I shouldn't be, you know, but, but for some reason I've been able to make a certain amount of work and I like to think it's because I had to, and it was going to happen in spite of anything I did or said or worried about. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like how, how, how can you Ray, how can you, you know, you know, we can think about what we do. It's, it's counter so many um, strong ideologies, but somehow art, our work, our theater, our dance, somehow it comes into existence. Um, and I like to think that it, it does that because it has to. And it's got very little to do with me. I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And I also understand that you say it's hard for some people to hear, but you have earned the position you're in and you have made the choices you've made so that you don't have to, uh, you know, just jump when someone tells you to jump. But, but um, that's, that can be true at any point of a career, can't it? You know, obviously bread first ethics later I know that but for for even for for young people starting out it's still about what's acceptable and what's not and how far you're prepared to go in in pursuit of it so I think it's still you know the idea is still there that you you carve it in the shape you want it to be and and you do your best to achieve that isn't it isn't that just what we do yeah, yeah. I think it's it's all about the little decisions you make along the way, yeah. like bread first, ethics second. Maybe is the maybe no, maybe be ethics first, bread second. Maybe the bread will taste better. Um, mm. If you, uh, uh, I mean, I was always difficult. You know, I, I went to ballet school for three or four years. Like I was, I was always in trouble. Um, I I couldn't. I'm just so self righteous, like um, <laughs> you know, which is not a good thing, but. Um, it kind of, it was kind of, it's kind of a gift because it just means that you can't stand being around bullshit. Uh, uh, I mean, it doesn't mean you're not vulnerable or a victim to spewing out your own bullshit, but other people's bullshit is usually problematic. Um, and you have to turn your, you have to try and turn your weaknesses and your failings and your, your curses in, if you want to be an artist, like you have a great opportunity to turn them into advantages. Mm. Um, so like, you know, suppose you try to use your temperament when your temperament, if you keep at something long enough, um, your temperament and your restrictions will start to make a kind of a world and a kind of a work. And then maybe people will want to watch it and maybe people will pay you or give you money to, to, to you know, to, to put on shows. But that's just how it has been for me anyway. Yeah. But I would encourage all young people to, to try to always remember who they are first. You know, you know, don't eat the bread too quickly. Maybe <laughs> ask a few questions where it came from uh, before you swallow it. Yeah, you know? okay. Um, and so do you feel like um, this, this way of being, um, this sort of, you're, you're slightly, uh, I know you're, kind of joking but you're also kind of rejecting a lot of, of what's on offer out there and you're certainly doing it by your on your own terms um do you feel like that has uh, well two questions actually do you feel like that has um uh prepared you for this period now because okay just you can yeah. answer answer that question first i'll come to the next one yeah uh, well yeah yeah i mean I mean, when I came back from Sattler's Wells on the plane, like I was texting my partner, Rochelle. I've, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in a relationship with Rochelle Poirier, who's a dancer and a gardener. Mm. Uh, and we're very close. And I, but I was texting her because I, you know, I'm a, I'm a gale. I, I, I'm, a, I, 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 I'm an Irishman. And we're given to drama uh, and melodrama and exaggeration because <laughs> we experience things quite high. You know, we're like... Um, yeah, I guess we're a bit like Mediterranean people. But uh, I was telling Rochelle to buy a gun and get a few German shepherds <laughs> and change our few remaining euros into gold, you know. Um, <laughs> and, and buy some toilet roll, surely. <laughs> no, no, you see, that's what I wasn't. Because no, because I, I have two acres here. I can go take a crap in the head um, and use the broccoli to wipe my arse. So I suppose there's the answer to your question was that, like, I have lived in in nature for how long now since 2006 so like I would know how to I mean I'm not saying I I don't know but I know how to grow food and I'm not afraid to wipe my arse with a dock leaf and you know I keep hens and I know I know my way around a cow if I had to milk one Mm -hmm. um and you know I yeah I suppose you know I don't eat I eat really I eat really simply I don't eat meat or hardly any of it and I'm no interest in money really 
I mean, obviously, if I'd none whatsoever, mm. I might be uh, going looking for some. <laughs> but I suppose, yeah, I mean, and you th- I mean, the thing about dancers, I suppose, to connect it back to dancers is that it came up like, we, we, you know, we were thinking about trying to improve things for dancers in Ireland and the conditions of dancers and choreographers. And like it dawned on me, the dancers are brilliant people for a lockdown or for a, a pandemic because dancers live... They're just such amazing. Like they're like, I mean, I compare them to monks, but I know they're not like monks because monks are supposed to be holy and celibate and all that crack, but they never wear either, right? Let's face it, monks were generally drinking beer and chasing women around the place. But dancers are, uh, you know, they can live on very little and they they have, uh, they, they're so disciplined mm. and they manage their lives in such a kind of way where they, they live out of suitcases, they jump on planes. I know that's kind of a whole other thing now with travel. But like, dancers are cool. Dancers are our survivors. Yeah. Yeah, they have a clear relationship uh, with themselves, don't they? They seem that they have to be quite content on their own because of the the nature of the job to job and the travel. But also, yeah, their relationship with their body and their discipline. They have to just cut it alone, don't they? So um, yeah, they used to have no money. I mean, yeah. they're used to having very little that money. Too. Yeah. Sadly, you know. Yeah. So are you um, secretly loving all of this then? Is this no, no, okay. no, because no, because I've heard um, I've heard some love, great people, you know, giving interviews or talking about the, pan- the pandemic, about lockdown. And, you know, they say, oh, it's a beautiful time. You yeah, know, this I is know. a great time of renewal and rebirth and changing our perspective and the planet. And there's wolves on the Golden Gate Bridge. But no, I. Uh, I no, I'm not secretly really enjoying it. I'm. I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried about what's coming, mm. uh, and I try not to. I try not to worry about it. Um, I, I worry what's coming. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, and I totally understand. But I've found from my own experience that I'm remarkably capable of having a really good day. Mm. And really enjoying, you know, and feeling like I've learned or I've achieved. Had a lovely time um, with my son. Uh, And then I go, oh, shit, actually, you know, none of this is true. (laughs) There's that world outside. And it's it's really surprised me that those things can exist so entirely simultaneously. Um, But no, I I totally hear what you're saying. Um, So so there you are in in, um, your lovely house in Ireland. Um, Watching the world change, I guess, isn't it? Um, Yes, there is a pandemic spreading across the world, but also um, there are uh, long overdue, hugely important changes taking place, conversations about inequality um, and failures within society and also within the arts, all of which is happening against the backdrop of the arts fighting for its own survival anyway. Um, And I'm wondering how that experience is for you. Do you feel like you're going to come out of this process um, changed or charged in any way? Yeah. Definitely changed and charged. Go on. Absolutely. Good words. I feel changed and charged, profoundly changed. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty charged a lot of the time anyway, <laughs> why I do what I do. But um, yeah, like a lot, of, a lot of the stuff that's going on is, is really like it's powerful. Like it's, you know... <sighs> I suppose it's, there's so much to talk about. It's so complex. But if I started with the idea, like, you know, like the statue in Bristol that the guys pulled down. Mm. And what I found interesting about that was um, like how there is statues of people all over Western civilized, in inverted commas, mm. world of people who were genocidal maniacs, uh, murderers, uh, psychopaths, sociopaths, and we walk by them every day, you know, you know, whether we do or we don't, but, you know, metaphorically speaking, we accept certain forms of behavior and power infrastructures and, and the way we're taught history. Um, we accept it for days upon days upon years upon years, and then suddenly something happens. Uh, George, George Floyd gets killed, I think was, we fair to say, was the trigger. Uh, and then suddenly all the um, the blinds start to fall down one after the other. And then we realize in the, in those, in quite quickly, like in, in the process of minutes, that the world as we thought it was, even though we knew it was the way, even though we knew it wasn't the way we wanted it to be, 
we suddenly see it really clearly now. And it's suddenly very, very wrong. It's extraordinary to me. Um, and it, it's a kind of, in some ways, it's a great relief, you know, uh, because that connects to what we were talking about first, the kind of the hypocrisy and the lies and the bullshit that people go on about, saying one thing, doing another. Um, but that's beginning to really, okay, it's, it feels like it's beginning to fall apart. Um, it doesn't mean it will fall apart. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that those forces that, are, that have been holding it all in place for so long are going to let it go so easily. That's partly reason why I would be worried. Mm. Um, but it, it's, it, it, is, it has definitely changed now. And it's given us, I think what's nice, it's given a lot of people confidence and the language to express their rage and their discontent with things that were just simply wrong, but they couldn't find a way or, 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 or get the traction to express it. The same thing happened for women with the Me Too movement, I think, where suddenly they could say, no, that is just not on. And you couldn't say, oh, but come on. You, you, you know, there was enough of a force behind it where you had to go, no, that is not, you're right. Actually, you're right. Mm. Um, so, so that's all, that's all going on isn't it at the moment in the world it is and there's something about um the enforced stillness i think that's that's brilliantly i guess making us hear it all the louder um you know it feels like that to me you know that the the world is changing in so many ways and and and, and into the space whether we filled it with all the other nonsense we were doing this has all fallen and yeah we have we have to listen and we have to you know grow and change and uh reflect I suppose um mm. have you have you been able to let that land with you yet in terms of I don't know your work the company the the future how how do you have ideas about how you I don't just mean Black Lives Matter movements I mean all of this thinking about equality and, and change do you have ideas about how you want to go forwards now you've got that yeah well I mean I, I, I Oh, those things have always been really important to me. You know, they've always been part. Oh, like, I, oh, <laughs> like I just, I um, like I just don't get why anyone would treat anyone badly, um, be, whether they're black, white, or a woman, or or an Irishman, mm. um, especially when the decision to treat them badly has already been made before you've met the person. Like, I suppose, uh, the, the, like empathy, you know, empathy is so important. Um, how can you ask someone to do something when you wouldn't do it yourself? Or how can you treat someone in a way you wouldn't want to be treated yourself? The, uh, like, as I was talking about, you know, talking about making difficulties into positive things and limitations into strengths. Like the, the only thing that I, can, that, that I can bring to this is that because I'm Irish, I went to England in 1988. And in 1988, the IRA were still blowing up mm. England. So, you know, I was, a, I was a terrorist in the eyes of many people. Um, and like, I was okay until I opened my mouth because I'm white. But as soon as people would hear my accent, things would change very quickly. And I could, you know, I've, I could share many, many anecdotes about it. And, I, and, and it's, um, it used to really annoy me, you know, being, 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 being people calling, you know, asking me, was I a terrorist or, or, or asking me, well, you know, telling me I was thick. Oh, you're, you know, you're thick Paddy or fuck off Paddy or fuck off back to Ireland or um, oh. what's the other one? Uh, or drunk, are you drunk? Okay. Um, or, you know, that kind of crack. Um and it really, really, really upsets me. Upset, upset, upset. It, it always upsets. It makes me very angry because I'm not thick. I'm highly intelligent and I don't drink particularly much. <laughs> and I'm not a terrorist. I might be a cultural terrorist, but I'm not a, a terrorist. So, yeah. Um, uh, and because the dance world is so, uh, it's so multiracial and I like to think the potential for a kind of equality uh, is so prevalent that these things are profoundly important to me. Yeah. The idea that we are treated equally, fairly and lovingly and kindly, whether whoever you are. Um, and I don't believe in power infrastructures based on title or on 
a decision that I'm powerful. Mm. You either are powerful or you're not. Mm. And if you need a statue or a title, the chances are that you're making up for some shortcoming anyway. Mm. Um, I, you know, I like the idea of a powerful person who sits on the ground and talks gently to a child, not a, a statue. So, so, so now I'm, I, my plan is to carry on. Well, uh, in theory, my plan is to carry on. Uh, but some things have changed. Practical things have changed that I have to consider but I suppose what the, the, the events of the last four or five months have fueled me, I'd say, to believe more in, in ideas that I'd already believed in, mm. that in fact, yeah, you're right, Michael, carry on, mate. <laughs> you know, you're actually right. Yeah, okay. Can we talk about um, that uh, approach you have, I think, in terms of how you make work? So you are sitting on the floor speaking gently, I think, uh, <laughs> introducing people to your home, to, to the area in which you live um, and developing a kind of family um, and linking back to the, the theme of time. Like I know it's really important to you that you have a long time, uh, I don't know what long means, uh, to, to make a show so that you can grow together, you, you work together, live together, etc. Um, can you talk a bit about why, why that's so important to you and, and what you think that does to the work? Hmm. Well, yeah, it's funny why it's important. I suppose I just don't, I just can't see, I just can't see how you would make work any other way. <laughs> like, um, so, so, so like what, what you're asking me to do, I suppose, is to analyze what I do, but it's a bit like asking a, uh, a dog to analyze <laughs> why it runs after a ball. It just does because it does, because it enjoys it and it's instinctual to it. Um, well, I know. I think you'd need a psychoanalyst or something to tell you, tell me to tell you why I do it. So, so tell me how it works then. So, th this is this yeah. is this is my image. They all come with their backpacks on, and they all arrive and they sleep in a dorm. <laughs> no, maybe not that. Um, but you, but you, as you say, you live together, work together. Um, is it? Is it, is, is it as sort of gradual and flowing as that sounds? How do you how do you start, and how do you make progress? You start. Oh God, how do you start? You start by finding, well, you start by, okay, yeah, and I'm going down the layers. Well, I suppose, yeah, you start by finding a place for me to live um, that, in, that inspires one. Mm -hmm. So where the, the forces of nature are still strong enough where they can move you. And then you invite a selected group of artists to come to the place that you have chosen to work with you. Mm. And then over a period of time, through working together um, in a shared cooperative familial sort of a setup, uh, you make some work and you hope that that work then will be imbued with or shine or emanate some of that energy that attracted you to the place at the very beginning of the process, I suppose. And then you would, you would bring that work around the world or maybe not anymore around the world, around Ireland. And you would love it if people were inspired by what they witnessed. Okay. So the bit I want to get into is the, the little bit of the, you make some work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which makes it sound really easy. Um, so you're all in a room and you've, I guess you, you quite often have your central theme or maybe a, a story from which you're thinking. Um mm. Just give me an example of how you might start to create movement and how you start to um, decide what's in and what's out. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, with movement, like, with movement, for me, the relationship between music and movement is very uh, strong. Mm. Uh, so I would, I would, try, I would, I, I always work with musicians, live musicians, um, and are they there the whole time? Uh, as much as they can afford to be, okay. you know, in an ideal scenario, they'll be there the whole time. Um, but you know what it's like in the big bad world, people come and have to come and go because they have gigs and <laughs> they need to make money. And, um, and it's, it's, it can be a really expensive way of working, yeah. uh, but they'd be there a lot. And what happens is that if you put a dancer, a certain kind of a dancer who, who has certain, who have, who would share ways of perceiving the world, you know, have things in common with say me, when you put them in a room and a really good musician and they, and that musician starts to play, the dancer just simply, quite simply starts to dance. Um, 
And if they're, if they're good, which they usually are, the dancing is great. And then it's just about going, remember that bit you did over there, James? Can you do that again? Can you do that again? And can you do it? Hey, um, Rochelle, can you learn that from James? And then it's really, really a very natural process with no, with what I've been working on for years was to try to find a way where there was no necessity for imposition. Mm. So there was no necessity to raise the voice. There was no necessity to kind of talk about discipline or no necessity to even say, you know, never to have to tell anyone they were late because they would never would be late because they were all dying to jump out of bed, to get back in the room, to get in contact with this amazing energy again. Um, Cause I used to find imposition really dis- disappointing and I used to find it hard. Like why, why am I having to convince, you know, choreography, like painters don't have to convince the paint. Well, maybe they do and they're kind of the force of the, you know, but they're not talking to the paint going, Oh, come on, you know, you're not getting my vision. They just get on with it. Whereas, whereas when you're working with dancers, like it's such a cooperative collective endeavor, uh, like it becomes really tedious if you're always the one kind of going having to go, hey guys, my vision is great. When you do my vision, it's much better when you simply create an environment where people feel really good and you start going at it and then things just start to appear. And pretty much like everyone, I, I, I pick stuff that I can see other people love okay. or I pick stuff that I can see other people love doing. And I listen to all those oohs and ahs and ahs, and then that becomes the work. And I try, I really try very hard not to consider too deeply what it will look like, you know, um, because I think the problem, the challenges of working the way I work is that if, the da- if dancers start to think you're uh, objectifying the endeavor and trying to control a, a selected outcome in a careerist sort of a way, it's game over. You know, you know, poets talk about the muse departing. Uh, well, the muse departs. So you, you have to commit to a certain ru- rules of engagement and you have to stick to them. Because if you don't, then, you become a, then you're becoming a charlatan, aren't you? You're becoming a, a, the kind of a person you don't want to be. So I totally hear you, but of course, as a dramaturg who's paid to think <laughs> in a room where dancers dance and sometimes to articulate the, the thing that might be happening. Um, that, so you're doing the thinking. I mean, you, you, somebody's making decisions, somebody's building this show and somebody's saying, let's do that next, not that. Um, and so, ha, ha, yeah, I mean, it's true. Yeah, you, you, you have to do the thinking in that No, I, 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 I mean, I hear you. I probably do the most thinking allegedly, but no, it's so, I mean, I mean, I, you're probably finding it hard to believe me, but it's so like, it's so collaborative. It's um, the, the, you know, I, what I used to do and I probably would, will sometimes, what I used to do was have a show in my head that I knew would get me over the line and then start and work the way I'm working, the work way I'm describing, but always knowing I had the show in the back of my head. Mm. Now I don't have the show in the back of my head much anymore. I, 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 you know, you have to, you, tr- you have to, you know, you trust the people you have in the room. Like some of those people could make better shows than me anyway, if they were given the resources or if they had the, they had the stomach to <laughs> fight for the resources. That's the other thing. Like you have to, you know, you have to be up for the fight to get the conditions to give to the dancers and musicians so you can make this kind of work. Mm. And that's a whole other thing mm. that you can't be going into an arts council meeting going, Hey guys, <laughs> let's all sit on the floor. I mean, you, you, maybe one day that would be lovely, but you know, there's a whole other aspect of what I do that isn't so uh, gentle and kindness. Yeah. You have to be a bit of a brawler. And so, um, yeah, I recognise that. And you have to fight for the, you know, you're, you're creating a sandpit, really, a playground for, for you and the dancers. So you have to fight yeah. to, to get that, to get them into that yeah. room, don't you? And, and yeah, I'm sure yeah. that's a hell of a fight. Um, one question I have, and I sort of know the answer, but so, so when you're working like this and you are so sort of generous with how the show evolves and it, and it introduces itself to you as, as time passes. Does that mean that when it comes to the premiere, it's just like really relaxed and you just kind of, Oh, look, time to share. That's nice. 
or is it not really like that? Is it is it stressful towards the end? Like you know, it, it often is in the world I live well, in. Uh, it depends. No, no, it depends. Like I think the word generous, like you, you know, just you describe me as being generous, but I don't see it as that. Like I don't see I'm being generous. It's like the more you. <laughs> There's all these sayings that people say, but quietly think this is a load of bollocks. But actually, the more you give, the more you get is true. Yeah. <laughs> so generosity, as perceived by the capitalist marketeer, uh, is kind of a weakness. Oh, he's so generous. You know, it's kind of like you're quietly saying the guy's a, a, a bit of a, uh, uh, well, we just say a bit of a bit of an Egypt, you know, uh, uh, but uh, the more, the more, the more you give, the more you get. It's true. Yeah. And with dancers, the more you trust, the more they trust you. Uh, I used to work with horses a bit. And there is a parallel, actually, because if horses sense for a second that you're a bit scared of them or nervous of them, it's kind of nothing can happen. So, um, and then with the premier question, you try, you, 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 I used to make this mistake. So you're up a mountain working on a piece of theater and then you bring it to Sadler's Wells or the Barbican or to, to some, you know, massive festival. And the shock is just too great. Mm. It's just too great. So what I do now is I go through the gears. So first of all, we have a showing in the hall for 20 people. Then maybe another showing in the local bigger hall for 50 people. And then we try to maybe, then we do a, a little venue outside Dublin. And then we do the Dublin Theatre Festival. And then we might go somewhere. If I can arrange it, it's not always possible. And yeah. then we'd end up in Sadler's Wells. Um, and I like to think I've learned to stay pretty calm, yeah, over the years, Um but I can't, I mean, some of my colleagues who sit beside me on premieres would say that. Not what I've heard. <laughs> I'm a nightmare. Um, like I, I had to give two people free tickets recently who were sitting behind me at the premiere of Mom and the New Zealand Festival because I completely destroyed the show. The guy tapped me on the shoulder and said, Mike, you know, he says, it's a great show. I can't do the accent, uh, but uh, you wrecked it for us. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll get you two tickets for tomorrow night. Because like I'll be doing... <laughs> yeah, so I know. Why would you get nervous? I suppose you you're you're nervous that this this thousand people that have gathered around in front of this thing just won't get the thing that felt so magical. Yeah. Uh, even yesterday. Yeah. Because you know what it's like in the theatre. One night it can be magical and you do exactly the same sequence of movements to the same music with the same lighting cues and it just doesn't happen the next night. You know, it's something to do with forces far greater and more sophisticated than I can begin to comprehend. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's talk about um, place then, can we? Um, yeah. And, you know, we've, we've already talked a lot about where the work gets made. Um, I'm going to use the word Irishness, which I suspect is uh, offensive. <laughs> I don't know. No, 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 okay. it's all right. Okay, thanks. Um, how how do, w w what impact does it have, do you think, bringing people to your home and being amongst that landscape? What do you hope it gives them as people and what do you hope it gives the work? Um, hope, yeah, so I'm like, like, I'm picking up all these words. I don't hope for anything, to be honest. Like, I, I, I hope, hope leads to despair. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, but I, but, but you do hope because you bring them there and you hope it's worth it and you hope it's No, amazing. no, I oh, don't. Yes, Honestly, I, I know you don't believe me. I don't, it, it, I don't hope it will be worth it. It either will be or it won't. Okay. And if it won't, there'll be tremendous learning in the process of, of discovering that this has been a total and utter waste of my time. But it never works out like that because I'm, I'm smart enough now to bail, to jump way before I'd be getting to the point of putting 20 people on planes from all over the world to come to, to, to the West Kerry uh, Peninsula. Um, so, God, what comes into my head to answer your question is that I feel like I have a relationship with my ancestors and I feel beholden to them in some way to express energies and stories and share them with the world, I suppose. And that I need to do that here because 
the source of those stories and that that energy is here. And by bringing the dancers and the musicians here, there's a chance that they will connect with those energies themselves, or if not with those energies, with their own ancestral energies. And that does happen. Yeah. Um, I've seen it happen. And I've, you know, I've worked with dancers who've, who've then gone away and, found out everything they could about their father's ancestry, Mm -hmm. their father, maybe who they didn't talk to or their mother who they didn't like. Um, And I think that's really cool. So if I would hope for anything, I'd hope for that Mm -hmm. because there's healing in that. And then, you know, when, 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 when those kind of, for me anyway, when, when I feel like I've told those stories well or shared that energy well, and it has been received and, non- and maybe understood or appreciated. I sleep really good that night, you know, and, <laughs> I, and then, I, I, then I'm lighter and then I'm a better father and I'm a better person. And when I go into town to buy my bread and my milk, I'm friendlier and then everything just goes better. And that's, that's what I, if I want to use the word hope, I would hope for that to happen more. Yeah, you put that really nicely and it's about wanting to to share that and to infuse the the people in the work with that, uh, but also the work, to infuse the work and, the, and then share that with us, the audiences, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're right, whether that's Irishness or whether that's just a notion of the past or heritage or identity, I don't know, but it but I think I feel it. Um, but I, I am Irish and I, I know I was born here, like, it's, yeah. and I grew up here. And there's a reason for that. There's a, there's a reason why I'm here, uh, you know. Um, but what it's I... Not, yeah, well, go ahead, sorry. sorry. I was going to say what I think, and I'm not, um, but when I watch your work, I... I uh, I, yeah, I appreciate yeah. the Irishness, but I think I can also appreciate the the other thing, you know, the, like you say, the heritage and the past and the belonging and the, the, sort, sure. of, the sort of ritual of it all, um, sort of... The Irishness is just one example of that, you know. Exactly. No, no, that's just the way that I connect. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. And the best kind of the the, be- the best way I can explain what you're saying for me is like we spent a lot of time in New Zealand developing the last piece because it was it was we had a residency in Wellington, and you know some of the dancers I worked with were either new, from New Zealand or had worked in New Zealand, like James yeah. O'Hara. Yeah. Um, and we got we you know we had Maori mentors, and the way they explained it. The way the Maori people explained it made absolutely perfect sense to me. You know, it was exactly the same. Yeah. They maybe explained it better and with more confidence, uh, but it absolutely made sense. So it doesn't matter where you're from. It's the same thing. It's just, I happen to be Irish. And the thing that I'm connecting with manifests through these particular rocks and in this particular climate, you know, and so forth and so on. Yeah. I read with interest about the residency in in New Zealand. Um, and yeah, it's, it's clear, isn't it? It feels clear and and it's a really interesting, um, uh, way of working. Uh, and it also, yeah, allows this notion of place to become present in the process and and in the work as, as well, I guess. Um, but something I wanted to ask you now in this landscape, um, of course, for you to survive financially, as you said, you have to tour. Work has to be seen. Um, and you said before really clearly that that was never the goal. That's kind of a means to an end, really. And of course, you want to reach audiences, but it's not the glamour of the uh, global no. tour. Um, but and you, and you need to do that to afford to work the way that you have described. Um, so my question in this landscape is, are you worried then? I mean, you've kind of hinted that maybe you are, that these notions of time, this notion of place and also scale, actually, you work at quite a large scale. I think there's 21 something people in, in yeah. Um And also the geographical reach that you've needed to have to be successful. Are you worried that they are privileges that belonged to yesterday? Do you? Yeah. What, what's your thoughts yeah. about that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking about you in this interview, just walking up the hill and I was thinking, what isn't it? I was thinking to say to you that it, it, it could be, imagine this, like it could be that I'll never get to work that way again. It could be, mm. now, it may not be, mm. but just say it could be. And what do we do then? Could it be that that was the last piece of work I'll ever make? Probably. I mean, it could be, <laughs> and, but it's okay. I mean, I'm okay with that. Um, 
it's kind of learning to be okay. It's the more the process of learning to be okay with certain scenarios than the actual scenario. Mm. Because if you're not worried about that, you're going to be worried about whether, you know, you know, the mind will always find the thing to focus on. And I, that's what I found fascinating was when I got back from Sadler's Wells when, and everything had, ahead of me had been cancelled, all the workshops, all the developmental stuff, our tour, we were supposed to have a national tour, uh, Swan Lake performances. I remember thinking, um, um, I was thinking, I used to blame a lot of my um, uh, behaviors, like, you know, uh, you know, worry mm. on the fact that I was an internationally working choreographer. But for the last five months, I haven't been. And yet I still have some of the same behavioral patterns. And I found that fascinating then to analyze that going, you know, I think just the way we're wired, aren't we? Like if we're not worried about whether we'll tour to Australia ever again, we'd be worried about whether we'd be able to, you know, whether the car will start in the morning before I go to the train station. Like it's about getting, it's really good this, like, cause so, so, so yeah, maybe I'll never tour again, or maybe I won't never be able to tour the way again or raise the finances to work the way I have. But if that's the case, that will be the case. And we will, we will see what gives, you know, I, I, I had been, I've been planning for the last three years anyway, to stop traveling so much okay. or at all, which seems completely mad when you looked at how we've been working. You or but, the work? Uh, definitely me. Okay. Uh, and maybe the work because the climate crisis was already, you know, burgeoning and, getting to the point like where it was becoming kind of really difficult to get on a plane. So I found an old derelict factory down the end of the peninsula here. And I'm in the process of turning that into a, a center, a place, uh, a shrine, a somewhere where you can go and take yourself out of the urban um, field of consciousness and put yourself in the, in the elemental field of consciousness. A small place or a large place? It's a large, it's a large enough building. Yeah. It's an old furniture factory. Okay. So you could rehearse there. Hmm? You could rehearse there. Yeah. 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 And uh, so we're in the process, we're in planning process now. It's just, just taking a long time, but we'll get there. So I wanted to focus on being, I wanted to focus, even if I wasn't able to actually do it, but the idea of being in one place, uh, the, my company's called Chokdausa now, and it means house, dance house or house of the dance. Um, so I like the idea of this home where people could come and rediscover some of these dynamics that get so easily sold away in a commercial or in a product-driven environment and reconnect with those energies and then go back to where they came from. Um, and... That seems to be the, the, the pandemic has kind of accelerated that process, but people still need to travel to get here. So we'll just see, okay. you know, we just have to be patient. And do you think that you can make work um, with, in, of, for Ireland? Can, can, I mean, the, everything you've described that matters to you, you can still do, yeah. uh, even if it's, well, with people who live in Ireland or bringing people yeah. in, sure. Um can you can you shift your notion of success um, to, enough to for that to be okay as a future then? Yeah, because I don't know what success means. Like that's another word. Like yeah, there's so I many. Know. We should track all the words like generosity, success, career. I don't know a hope. Like what does success mean? Like that's what the, I'm asking. It, 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 you know, the, the perception was uh, success equals touring enough being seen enough being enjoyed enough by so many people that you can afford to make your next show in the way yeah. you want to make it uh, yeah. and you know the more the more generous version is yeah that you, you that you have impact on people's lives and, the, and they appreciate the work you've made um but that model does seem to be the past so but but it still has to be worth it to you um yeah. so i guess the question is yeah is there a, is there a future that you can imagine that feels worth it in, in that yeah. scenario yeah i think so yeah Cool. I couldn't. I couldn't write a, a a PhD on what that future looks like just at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, as well, like, how do I say this without you calling the the men in the white coats? Um, <laughs> Try. 
it's kind of enough for me to say, you know, like there are, I'm a believer, Lou, you know, I like, hear it. <laughs> like it'll, what will be, will be. And, uh, but you will like, make it be because you will write letters to dance. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Dance. Yeah. Funding yeah. Bodies, yeah. yeah I hear you. Them. I hear you. Of course you can all, yeah, you see, yeah, it's easy to counter that or what I'm saying because I, what I said earlier. Um, but I know but, you, what you know, mean. You'll you, try you, you can write a letter. You can choose to write 400 letters and get no response to 400. Yeah. Or you can choose to write one yeah. and get everything you wanted. Or you could never write a letter. And a fella turns up on your doorstep with a, with doorstep with a suitcase of money. Like, it is extraordinary the way it all works. So I, I just have to give in a little bit. And, and I'm happy to give in. And it's kind of like... Um, God, can I, it's hard to say this, but I mean it. Like, I mean, you're kind of at the service. I feel like you're at the service of the gift you were given. So, you know, I'm at, I'm at its service. So if it's, if, 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 if it's required, things will manifest and the circumstances will manifest where I can continue to realize some version of mm. success. Okay. I'm just going to ask you uh, a question um, about your relationship with digital work, which, you know, I think I might guess how you feel about this. But first, um, at risk of making our dance and theatre starved audiences cry, and, and maybe you, I'm going to quote you again, if I may. It's a long one, but it's nice. Um, so, so you said, you are one click away from seeing just about anything. But there is one thing you can't access online, and that is a deep energetic connection with another breathing, sensing, energetic being, be it animal or human. This mm. can only happen in the company of another living being in real space and in real time. And this is the realm of theatre. I'm in this game for one reason and one reason only, so I can be present when these sorts of encounters unfold. To see the energy created amongst a group of performers move from the stage and envelop the audience. To see that same energy travel back towards the stage, propelled by the intensification of the audience's watching and listening. And then to see it magnify further and be sent back into the auditorium again. Mm. I remember that feeling. <laughs> 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 um, so does that mean you're not going to be making a digital offering? Yeah, you literally not. I would. I, I'm interested in making a film, but not, you know, not with the idea of it being shown on a laptop, like but, but shown in a cinema. Not filming uh, live dance and and showing it on a um, laptop. No, no. But I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm not saying that other people should 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 or should or shouldn't do it. No, sure. You know, my, my my thing, my gift is 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 all about it, the relationship, the relationships. Yeah. Um, so no, I'm afraid not. But a film, not, what, what type of film? I was, I, well, you know, if you're making, you know, if you're making a piece of theatre, you know, you, you, you know, the kind of dimensions of the space and the relationships and the, the energetic parameters that you're going to work with. With a film, like there are different ones, but I, you know, be, like to make a piece of work with the idea that it will be shown maybe in a theatre, but on a, on a screen, mm. um, and I wanted to make a film, a kind of a post, like, well, you touched on it, like um, a film that expresses the charge and the change that I've experienced in the mm. last six months. And I wanted the film to be shot on location. And it sounds really boring, but it won't, it wouldn't be, I hope. <laughs> but I shot on location in Ireland, but not like a board. We have, you know, the tourist board in Ireland is called the board, board falsha. In our, that means the welcome board. So not a board falsha version of Ireland. I love the idea, you know, that beauty, the way we, you know, the way we, well, the, sometimes the way we're, 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 we're expected to believe that beauty exists kind of in these tiny parameters mm. but actually beauty can exist in so many manifestations that are strange and otherly and i love the idea of showing a version of ireland that isn't in inverted commas mm. beautiful but is profoundly beautiful mm. uh, through a dance film great because yeah. there are parts of ireland that no one gets to see and uh you know, they're like when you look under someone's carpet or under <laughs> behind their sofa, you learn much more about them than you do from the sofa itself. Um, uh, so, yeah, something like that I'd like to do maybe 
in the next 12 months. And that might happen. Are you on it already? I'm on it already. Uh, yeah. And the other thing I want to do is a one man show. I want to perform. Ah. But, but everyone, everyone I know, including my partner, just tells me it's a really bad idea because I'm so bad. But I'm going to keep going for a while. A bit like my tree outside. I'm just going to persevere, you know, in spite of the wind and the rain. Yeah, so bad it's beautiful. It's so bad it's good. Yeah, I'm always telling dancers that. Be really bad. Okay, and you're going to do that? Yeah, I'm going to try and, yeah, I want to do that too. They're the two things Brilliant. I want to do. Well, yeah. it's cheaper, isn't it? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely cheaper. But there's so many stories I want to tell, uh, you know, and I'd like to t- try and tell them. Fantastic. Okay, Michael, well, we're done. Our time is up. Um, it's been such a pleasure talking. Thank you so much. I feel like I've spent the afternoon on an Irish hillside and it's been very lovely. So thank you for making the time. Thanks very much for having me, Lou, and see you. Well, that's it for this episode of Downtime. I really hope you enjoyed it. Please do listen to the other episodes with other brilliant artists and arts leaders and please also have a look at my website, www.thecoad.org. May you be lucky and well enough to have a little inspired downtime of your own. <laughs>